Before we get started here this morning, I just want to let you know that uh, some of the comments and things that you you say they don't they are not many. I would love it if you have more. Always feel free to put on pass on some comments and some things. You know, it helps in some of the direction where we go. It, it, the most important thing to cover is the things that you wonder about. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> As Ethel was talking about today. Uh, one of the things that I've actually heard, not just from her, but from a few others, and we're working on this to to, to uh, get some things. Now, don't ask me about where I'm at with it, because where I'm at with it now is may not be where I'm at in two weeks from now and and all that, but we'll see how God develops it, and I just want to listen to Him and what He has to say. But here's a question. I don't know if any of you have ever asked this or gone to the Word with it before, but how do you know when to ask for help? When is it that we're supposed to stand on our own, and when is it I'm supposed to ask for help from other people? And so we know it's a, there's a way to we can just get an earthly answer on this and just go through the, our own reasoning. But I, I'm going to spend some time going through the Word of God and finding this out because it's a question that some of you are asking. And we want to be able to have that answer for you in the, in the Word of God. Well, before a pastor began to preach one Sunday morning, he thought he ought to explain why he had a Band-Aid on his chin. And so he said, well, and I was shaving this morning. I was thinking about the service about the sermon, and I lost my concentration on my shaving, and I cut my chin. And he went on from there, and he preached the longest sermon he had ever preached there. And one of the teenagers came up to him after the service on the way out the door, and he said, Pastor, he said, next week, can you concentrate on your sermon, or concentrate on your shaving, and cut the sermon? <laughs> Well, the last couple of weeks, we were we spent a little bit extra time on things. Things went a little bit longer. And I just want to make sure that we got hold of these of these principles because these are really important for us to get down and to make sure that we get them, get them down. So we just want to spend a little extra time on the review part, make sure we have this. But here's where we're going today. Once we, once we start getting off track and become stubborn or stuck in our own way, how do we get back to being steady with the things of God? How do we get back? So we call this the way back. Before we first started this, we looked at that unbelief is mixed with what is heard instead of faith. When we mix unbelief with what we hear, we become hard. We become stubborn. When we mix faith with the things we hear from God and we believe it, then we become soft, tender-hearted, the Word of God talks tells us, we become, become steadfast in the things of God. The difference is what we mix in. Am I mixing in faith? Am I mixing in unbelief? You cannot stand before God and say, God, I had faith in that principle that you spoke to me and not have done it. You cannot, you can stand before other people. You can explain to all kinds of other people why, but you cannot stand before God. And say, God, I believe that. And God will say, did you do it? Well, no. The lack of action. My lack of action. My lack of doing the thing more than anything else proves I didn't believe it. It proves that I did not believe it. We've used the example before. If you firmly believed that Microsoft, when it first started, was going to go through the roof, what would you have done? I would have bought some. <laughs> Instead, I may have heard about it. I may have heard people speculate about it, but I mixed unbelief with it because I, I didn't believe it. How many times have we looked back on one of those companies? Oh, I wish I would have bought Google when they first started. Oh, look at what there's, oh, I would have made so much money. Oh, I wish I would have made that investment before. Oh, if only I would have taken some of my money and sewn it into this. Well, I knew about that, but I mixed unbelief with it. I didn't mix faith. That's our big, that's the big telling thing right there. And will I do it? Will I do it? We went over this before. Three reasons we maintain a hard heart. Once we get a hard heart, once we've gone off in the wrong direction, there are three reasons we maintain it. First off, I believe I'm right. Right? Isn't that why we keep doing it? I believe that I'm right. I want something. I continue to have a hard heart because, well, I want that and the Word of God won't let me have that. I want that relationship, I want that job, I want that money, I want that thing, 
whatever it might be. I want that. I want something. And number three, I resist the direction. God is leading me to go in a direction and I'm resisting it. I don't, I don't know about moving on to that other job. I don't know about taking that promotion. I don't know about making that investment. I don't, I'm resisting the direction that he's trying to lead me in. To sum up, it's beliefs, things, and direction. Beliefs, things, and direction. These are the things that maintain a hard heart. I believe I'm right. I want something. And I resist, resist the direction. We then went on another week and we looked at the Pharisees and the scribes and the leaders. And they came to him and they said, Is it lawful? Talking about divorce. Is it lawful? Well, we know we've already missed it if we're saying things like, Is it lawful? I'm not looking, I'm not concerned about is it right. I'm concerned about, can I get away with it? We went over the upward progression. If we are going to move up from the time we got born again, started following God, if we are going to move up, the upward progression is, first off, is it right? Secondly, is it God's will? And third, is it God's desire? This is the way we move up. First off, I'm looking to see what are the, what are things to do that are right? After that, if I'm going to progress upward, I'm going to find out, well, right, that may be right, but what is the will of God in this situation? What does God want me to do? What is God's will in this? That's not just to look at what's right. What is the will of God? And then we go up beyond that and say, all right, Father God, I understand what your will is, but what do you want? What is your desire in this area? And we pursue after the desires of God. That's upward mobility. That's upward direction. Downward progression is, we start off again, is it right? And then we go on to, well, is it permitted? <laughs> Can I get away with that? Is it legal? We go from, is it permitted to, well, you know, you didn't really say, you didn't really say that I couldn't. I don't really know that it's in there like that. Is it legal? We use the example of how in many of these law shows on TV, they're not, they don't care about the truth. They don't care about what's right. They care about, can we get our client off? Is it legal? Well, the word, the law says, is it right? Is it permitted? Is it legal? And then finally, is it what I want? Is it what I want it to be? Is it what I want? We've, we've totally gone in a different direction. But this is what a hard heart will do. A hard heart will send you in a downward progression. A tender heart will move you in the upward direction. Well, over in Romans chapter 2, chapter 2 and verse 1, one more thing, looking for loopholes or reasons why not doing what God states wants or desires is an indicator of a hard heart. If you're looking for reasons why you shouldn't tithe, why you shouldn't obey, why you shouldn't do what He said to do here, why you shouldn't give that up, why you shouldn't pursue this, if you're looking for reasons why you sh should not, it is an indicator of a hard heart. How many of y'all know we have indicators around that tell us things? You, go, you started your car up today, is there not an indicator that tells you how much gas you have? Thank God for those gas indicators because then you know how far it is that you can go. If you have a full tank, half tank, quarter tank, you know, well, maybe I need to make a stop. I know I'm good to go for a, for a while. We can uh, keep this going. Those indicators help out. You have a check engine light on your car. That just means, you know, something's wrong. Check it out. You get these little sensors. When you're in your house, you have an indicator called a thermostat. And when something goes off and it's, you know, no longer 68 or 70 degrees, you have an indicator. It tells you about that. And you can, you know, do something to get the temperature up, get the things going on that are right. We have smoke detectors in our house. What are they an indicator for? When something's not going so well. Of course, they always go off when we're cooking or doing stuff like that. And we wish that they wouldn't do that part. But Verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the, that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? 
But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in a day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now, verse 5 here, we want to spend some time on this. But before we do that, I want to read this to you from the message translation. Those people, verse 1, those people are in a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground where you can point the finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all your such smoke. He sees, I'm sorry, he sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he lets you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. (laughs) God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Now, verse 5. You're not getting by with anything. Every refusal and avoidance of God adds fuel to the fire. The day is coming when it's going to blaze hot and high. God's fiery and righteous judgment. Now, verse 5 in the Amplified. But by your callous stubbornness and impenitence of heart, you are storing up wrath and indignation for yourself on the day of wrath and indignation when God's righteous judgment, just doom, will be revealed. See, you gotta, he's talking about this hard and his, and your unrepentant heart. A hard heart is born out of not repenting, not changing. When God says to do this, I stay my own direction. That causes me to have a hard heart. Your hard and your unrepentant heart. This is, this is causing us trouble. Because even though God has said, you should do this, don't do, don't get involved there. Stay away from that. Well, no, I need to get involved because I'm afraid I'll not have this thing. I need to do this or whatever excuse we come up with. We are causing our heart to become hard. Every time that we blame God for the things that are going wrong in our life, I am making my heart hard. Every time. We need to do some maintenance on our heart. You know, there's times we need to do maintenance. We do maintenance on our cars. Anybody ever play any baseball? You know, the baseball players, they have a leather glove. You know what they're always doing with that leather glove? Maintaining it. They're rubbing oils into it. They're getting it to soften up because if it's a soft leather, then it's easier to catch the ball. I never played baseball that much, but I know, you know, at least a little bit of that. I don't know how often they got to work on it, but... Some of you guys that are baseball players, Brandon, and you probably know more often how, how often you've got to be maintaining them and doing some things with them to keep them soft because if they get hard, they can crack, they can get brittle. That's what leather does. God says, no, maintain your heart. Keep it soft. When God speaks to us, I need to listen to it. Now, it does not mean that I need to be obedient in everything. What it means is I need to be obedient in what He has spoken to me. When you were a child and you were growing up, did your parents deal with all the things that were wrong in your life on one day? (laughs) No. (laughs) Thank God for that, right? We we work on a a few things at a time. And we try and get those right. And then we work on the other. God does the same thing. He's growing us up. And so when He says, this is the thing you need to work on the most. This is the thing that's holding you back the most. This is what we're choosing to work on. I need to listen to Him. And trust them. And just comply. Well, all right, God, if that's what we need to work on, then that's what we'll do. Remember the rich young ruler? What must I do? I, I'm, I want to grow. I want to go on with you. What must I do? And Jesus says, one thing you lack. 
In other words, just focus on this. This is just one thing right here. This is all we're doing right now. This one thing. One thing you lack. That meant this was the most important thing. Of all the things you can work on, this is it. This is the most important. Work on this. Let's go. If you get this thing get, you get this thing fixed, you get this thing right, things are going to change in your life. Oh. But he went away sad because that was a hard thing for him to do. God does not work on every area of your life. He works on a few. Now, other people may come along and say, well, you need to quit doing this and you need to quit doing this. All right, that might be true. But listen to what God says. God says, all right, now hold on a minute. That's not a, that's not a big hindrance in your life. Right? It's a hindrance, but not a big one. This is the big one right now. This is what you need to work on. All right, all right. This is what we need. Stay with what God says. Do what He says to do. He goes on in verse 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. How many folks have thought you have continued patiently? Nobody. Come on, think about it. How many times have you gone to God in prayer and say, God, I've been doing this for a long time. It's been a couple of days. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. I've endured this for a few months now. This has been going on for years. How many times have we thought that? He says here, if we, by patient continuance in doing good, have you ever decided to get that you're tired of doing good for people? Have you ever decided that you're tired of helping people? That you're tired of being benevolent at work and putting up all those things? Have you ever thought that? He says, patient continuance in doing good. I heard someone say the other day, just really got me in the right place. But he says, you know, God is patient. How many of y'all know God's patience outweighs is far greater than ours? Far greater than ours. But He's the He's the bar. That's where we gotta that's where we gotta get to. You know what God does? God says something, it'll be this way, and sure enough, four thousand years later it happens. <laughs> I mean is that patience? In the book of Genesis, does he not say the seed of the woman will crush your head? How long did that take to happen? <laughs> About 4,000 years. <laughs> did, we see, did God seem like he was rushed? Did, God, did it seem like God said, oh man, this might not happen? No. It seemed to happen just fine. When he decided that Abraham was going to be the man he's going to bless all the people through and Abraham was resisting, moving in the direction that God had. God stayed with him for how long? As long as it took. 25 years, he stayed with him. Kept encouraging him. Kept, alright, we need to, we need to hit Abraham up a little bit differently. Called the you know, little team meeting. Alright, Abraham's not quite responding. Anybody got some ideas? What, I don't know if this happened, I just, you know, what we would do. Anybody got some ideas how we can get Abraham to get in faith? Oh, heaven, if we change his name. Oh yeah, that might work. Alright, let's go change his name. Abram, no longer you're going to be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. Can we go with that for a while. Well, that didn't work. Maybe if you go over the promise with him again. And you know what? Maybe if you send the angel of the Lord, maybe oh, that, that'll do it. <laughs> so he sends the angel of the Lord. No, I didn't do it either. He kept trying to do things. One after another, kept coming up to him and telling him things and going over things with him. And every time God comes after him, what's he do? Abraham, you're a blessed man. I'm going to bless all the nations through you. Sometimes Abraham would come up and say, yeah, right. I don't even have an heir. How are you going to bless me? No, no, no. I'm going to do it. Really. God stayed with him, didn't he? How long was God patient with Israel? When Israel, the people of God, kept worshiping other idols, doing other things. Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. This is the things of God. The glory of God. The honor of God. The immortality that God wants us to have. But to those who are self-seeking. Well, this is the other extreme. Self-seeking. God wants us to be not on the self-seeking side, but on the God-seeking side. There's a God-seeking side, there's a self-seeking side. He says, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, 
but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Why is it that I disobey the things of God? It's simple. I'm self-seeking. The reason that I disobey, the reason I don't tithe is because I want to have the money. The reason that I don't give up what God says to give up is because I want to have it. What is that? Self-seeking. The reason I don't go in the direction that God says to go is because I don't want to. You can't make me do that. And God says, I'm not going to. Go in that direction all you want to, but you also get the results of it. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. That's the things we obey. Even though I know what God says, if I do that, this will happen. Yeah? And people did it anyway. Do you remember when Israel was uh, by the mountain and Balak and Balaam and all that sort of stuff going on and no matter what happened, only blessings could come out of Balaam's mouth? And he finally counsels Balak and says, send the women on out there. They've been commanded by God not to go after them, but you know, you dress them up right, they'll get their attention. So he dressed the women up right and he sent them on out there. Sure enough, the men... Went right after it. Why? Self-seeking. Became self-seeking. I think I related this story to you before, but Christian and I were in the mall around Christmas time one year. It wasn't this year, it was some other year. And we were up there at the food court waiting for um, Connie and Alyssa. They were meeting us up over there doing something. So we were waiting for them at the appropriate place where we were supposed to be. And as we were up there, we're on, if you've ever been in the Montgomeryville Mall, we're in the food court and over there and they had those little kiosks down there. And they had a particular kiosk that was down there and it was one of those things, you know, where the uh, uh, the ladies are out there and they, uh, they come out and they get you. They want to sell you something. Well, you know, they're generally dressed in short skirts and <laughs> revealing tops. And they're generally selling stuff for the women. But, you know, this is Christmas, so we're going to try and get some of the guys. And so we were sitting up there and we were watching and this one guy was wandering on by and I just kind of, kind of nudged him and said, look at him, watch it, they're going to get him. Sure enough, this big old guy, he came on over to try this hand cream and she's putting all this hand cream on him and stuff like that and stuff. He don't want no hand cream on him. But he likes the attention. Don't do it. Don't be self-seeking. But obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Those who by patient continuing in doing good. We need to patiently continue in doing good. What does God say to do? God says to have the right confession. God says to, to do the right thing. God says to st- con- patient, continue doing good. Don't give up on it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Keep going. How long? Patient, continue. Remember, God says something 4,000 years later. Bang, there it is. I don't have 4,000 years to wait. Stop focusing on the time. I needed a promotion yesterday. Well, do what the Word of God says to do. Obey Him. Those who by patient continuing in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Now look, what he's talking about here is attitudes and actions. Attitudes and action. Patient continuing. That's an attitude. My attitude is of such that I'm going to keep on doing this. I'm going to keep on going after what God said to do. I'm going to keep pursuing it no matter how long it takes. That's, my, that's an attitude that I take on. That's an attitude that I pick up. I get the attitude that says, I will do it this way. I will continue to go. Now, that takes some effort to get into that spot. It doesn't just happen. How many of you all know when you first got born again, you didn't all of a sudden become patient, continuing, doing what is good? You were a little impatient. You let a lot of these things go. You know, you, you found a verse, all of that verse ministered to you, but a week later you forgot all about it. Did you patiently continue in it? Absolutely not. It takes it, you've got to change the way your thinking is. You've got to adjust some things. It takes, a, it takes some effort on your part. 
I've shared some of these stories before, but when I was in, in college and I was running for the cross-country team, when I was in high school, I ran. When I went in my, my first year of cross-country, I ran more. And I learned more about how to run. But I did not have the attitude that I needed. It's not that I didn't want it. I didn't have it yet. I was still learning how to pick up that attitude. Because there's an attitude of a jogger. There's an attitude of a runner. And there's an attitude of one who is ready to race. I was always a runner. I could drop, drop of a hat. No training at all. I could run five miles. I could take six months off from an injury or something like that. And all right, we're ready to go. And bang, go out there and run five miles. That was never difficult for me. could always do it. Not everybody can do that. I understand that. But... When I would run, when I had the, you know, when I was going for a cross country and all that, dropping and doing 10, 20 miles was, took no thought. At any point of any day, I could run 10 to 20 miles. But I did not have the attitude of a racer. There was a different attitude that, that was waiting for me. I had to learn how to pick that up. And I had people who came along to help me out with that. I had a coach who would, he did some things. He wasn't the best of coaches, but he was, he was helpful at times. And when I came back in my second year and I was starting to learn how to pick up this attitude of a racer. I told you before, I came into camp more in shape than anyone else. I had done some things that everybody else hadn't done. And we came to the first race that we had for that year. And again, I'm learning this attitude of being a racer. Now, I could run. Big deal. You can run 20 miles. That's not going to win you the race. And he came up to me singled me out and he said Steve you are in better shape than anybody here and this particular course we were on a, on somebody else's course it was there was this hill it was a big hill and it was a steep hill it was a hill that was so steep you could not run up it you had to climb you had to use your hands and your feet to get up it and it was fairly large and he said that hill is intimidating a lot of people I do not want that hill to intimidate you he says I want you to run as hard as you can, all the way up until the time that you get up to that hill. And when you get to that hill and you get to the top of it, I want you to take off. I still remember those words. That's what he said to me. He's trying to work on my attitude and get my attitude to, to change this. So I just focused on what he said. All right, run hard up until the hill. Got to the hill and dear Lord was I hurting when I got up that top of that hill. Oh, because you're climbing. But you're racing. You're not just climbing, you're racing, you're climbing, you've got to cl climb and go as fast as you can. And I got out to the top, and you finally get out to the top of a big hill, the last thing you want to do is take off. But I kept thinking, all right, that's what he said. Coach said to take off when I got to the top. So I did the best I could and took off afterwards. And there was a guy who was behind me, and he was, uh, he was staying with me up until then. And when he got out to the hill, we got finished, we, we got to the finish line, he came up to me and he says, he says, man, he said, I was staying with you. But when you got to the top of that hill, you just took off, man. Now, I didn't come, even come close to winning the race. There were other people in the team who did better than me. Uh, but, you know, I was working on changing the attitude. I had, to, I had to take what he had to say. I had to listen to it. I had to focus on it. I had to apply it. This is what God wants you to do. He's giving you some things to change your attitude. But when he speaks them to you and he says, you need to do this. One thing you lack, you need to do this. I need to take that one thing. I need to focus on that one thing. And I need to say, I am going to get this down. I am going to work on this. I am going to get this. I am going to respond. I'm going to do this thing. If God is dealing with you in the area of tithing, because we were talking about that there today, then tithe. Focus on that. I will get this done. If God is dealing with you about spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, learning the Word, then do it. If God is working on you and influencing other people around you and sharing the Word of God, then do it. Whatever it is that God is working on you on, He's saying, of all the things you can focus on, this is the one you need to do. This is the one you need to focus on. Get it done. Get it going. Let's go. Don't go around and talk to everybody about how good you're doing with it. Get it done. Focus on it. Do whatever you need to do to focus on that thing and to have it go. Get it part of your life. Father God, you told this to me. This is what you said. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to revere that. I am going to give attention to this. Now, we've all come into, at some point in our Christian walk, we've all come into the knowledge of the uh, word of faith and 
believe in God for things and that Jesus is our healer and things like that. How many of you know people who also heard those same messages and did nothing with them? And where are they now? Sick, poor, not going anywhere, not really doing much of, of anything. Because they didn't take the word that was available and honor it, do much with it at all. God wants you to take the word that you've got and focus on it and say, Father God, no matter what, I'm going to get this down. I am going to get this aspect of it down. I'm going to put everything into it. I will focus on this. God is saying, this is your weak link right now. This is the spot that is your weakest point. You need to strengthen this up. Now, once you do that, then another place is going to come into focus as being the weakest spot. But right now, that's not the focus. This is the focus. If you look at an athlete on TV, a baseball player, a basketball player, a, a, a hockey player, a football player, whatever it might be, how many of you all know that in their game, they have got some weak spots? It does not matter that any one of them can blow us out of the water on every aspect of their game. What matters is for them in that position to do that particular thing, there are some weak spots. And the coach will come up and they will say, you need to work on your stance. You need to work on your, you need to work on weight training. You need, there's something in there they have to work on. And that athlete will take that thing that is spoken to them and they will work on it. And they will focus their attention on it. And they will get that. They don't sit there and say, wait a minute, I'm better than half the guys in this league at that. Doesn't matter. This is what you need to work on. God is saying, here's what you need to work on. And sometimes we want to go to God and say, but God, I'm better than most of the people in the church aren't even anywhere near where I am on that. Why in the world are you focusing on me for this thing? Because he's the coach. And don't develop a hard heart. Don't hold on to that thing that says, well, I'm right. No, you're not. Listen to him. You're maintaining a hard heart otherwise. And God says, you need to work on this. But I thought I already had worked on that before. I thought I was in pretty good shape. God says, you need to work on this. You say, yes, sir. I need to work on it. And I will. And you put your attention to it. And you get things going. About it. It's an attitude. There's an attitude. And when I have that attitude, there are actions. How many of y'all know when you watch kids growing up, you didn't notice it so much when you were a kid growing up, but as you watch other kids and they're growing up, how many of you all know that when they have an attitude, there are actions? And right. When that little child has an attitude, there are actions that come from it. If you can see the actions, you can tell, oh, that one's got an attitude. I haven't seen it yet, but I know I see the actions. Look at that don't come about unless they have an attitude. Oh, that one's got a good attitude right there. Because mm-hmm. you can tell. There are actions and there are attitudes. Good attitudes have good actions. Bad attitudes have bad actions. God wants you to first off focus on the attitude and then the actions. But He's concerned about both. But it is... Well, put it this way. A works mentality is one who ignores the actions and focuses on... I'm sorry, ignores the attitude and focuses on the actions. That's a works thing. That's an appearance. Trying to get the appearance in front. God is first off concerned about the attitude and then the actions. In both of these instances, He gave the attitude first. Patient continuance. He gives the action first. Self-seeking. Gives, I'm sorry, gives the, the attitude first. And then he looks at the actions that come out of the attitude. If you have the right attitude, the actions will come in line. Get the right attitude. Now, if you ever wonder what seeds that you have sown, anybody ever wonder, well, I wonder what seeds I've sown. We're looking at some of these things that are being uh, brought out here. I wonder what seeds I have sown. If you wonder what seeds you have sown, check out your harvest. Verse 9, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. There's your harvest. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now he goes on here in verse 11. 
And we're not going to go on for the, the rest of it. This starts up another section. But I want you to look at this. For there is no partiality with God. Now, that's a word about God. You can either believe it or not believe it, right? You can either mix faith with it or mix unbelief. If you mix faith with it, then you believe there is no partiality with God. If you mix, mix unbelief with it, here are some of the things that will come out. Well, God doesn't like me. Well, I tried that and it doesn't work. Must work for everybody else. What happens? Partiality. I believe that God has favorites. I believe that God is partial to some people. But he says right there, God is not partial. He does not show partiality. Again, I can believe it. I can disbelieve it. It's up to you. But you'll see the actions that will come, come that way. There was a lady, Mary, who had a husband. He was an airline pilot. They lived over in the area of Detroit. And uh, he often had difficult locating items around the house. Anybody ever have difficulty locating items around the house? And one day he asked his wife, he said, Mary, he said, where is the salt? And she just got frustrated and just went up to him and said, it's right here. He says, how is it that you can find Detroit in a snowstorm and you can't find the salt in your own house? <laughs> and he simply said, they don't move Detroit. <laughs> No, they don't move Detroit, do they? It stays right where it is. God's, God's things are not moving. God's principles are the same. They are not moving. They stay the same for everybody. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. We went over these, this uh, section of Scripture before. Just going to review this. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you is it possible for it to be in you? He said any of you. He's writing to believers. An evil heart of unbelief. A Christian can have an evil heart of unbelief. He's saying beware. This could be in you. In departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So we went over this before, that sin, my me continually giving into sin, hardens my heart. When God says, work on this, do this, and I don't, I am hardening my heart. I am doing the things that are necessary to harden my heart. Every opportunity that I get to sin, and I do it, I harden my heart. Verse 14, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Patient continuance, right? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today, if you will hear His voice, it means He is speaking to you. He is saying something to you. When he is speaking something to you, he is saying, do not harden your heart. In other words, don't ignore it. Don't disobey it. Don't disregard it. He is speaking something to you. Now, here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. If God is speaking something to you, it means you are on his radar and he's concerned about getting you to the finish line. He is concerned about getting you stronger. The same way that a coach, when he comes along and says, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to work on. He's concerned about you getting to become the best you can be. God is concerned about you becoming the best Christian that you can be. He does not just want you to appear to be the best Christian to other people. He wants you to be. Too many Christians are concerned about appearance and they want everyone to know what God has said, what God is doing, and so forth, but they are not listening to God. They may be doing, making some great sacrifices. They may be doing some great things for God, but they're not doing what He said to do. 
Well, this is good anyway. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Today, if you will hear His voice, if you will hear His voice, He's speaking to you, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? If you hear His voice, He spoke to them, He told them some things, some areas they need to improve on, and they didn't listen. They didn't listen. Maybe they didn't believe it was God. Maybe they didn't think they needed to do it. Whatever it was, they didn't listen. Oh, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. They had no entry because of their unbelief. Verse 17. Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief is simply not acting on the word that God spoke to you. It does not matter if you see the relationship. Too often we think, well, I don't see how that relates to this. I'm struggling in an area of finances and God leads me to, you know, go share Jesus with this one. Well, I don't see how that has anything to do with my finances. (laughs) Then you're not listening to the coach. You are the coach and he's just kind of making suggestions. Quit it. He's the coach. If he says, you need to go over there and work on that and and share that, because I need you to, then we just do it. But I don't see the relationship. He does. That's all that matters. Going down to verse 11 in chapter 4. Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to that same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God, you can put up a smoke screen to everybody else, but God can tell your thoughts. He can tell your intents. He can tell where you are at. And He knows exactly how to fix that thing. He knows exactly how to bring you back to where you need to be. He knows exactly what you need to do. And He is working on you about it. He is saying to you, let this go. Do this thing. Go after this. Spend time here. He's speaking some things to you. But we're not listening. We're not listening. He is able to make a division between soul and spirit. We have a hard time with that, but He's able to do it. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. He's the one we're giving an account to, not people. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows the areas that we struggle in. He can sympathize with those areas that we struggle in. If he can sympathize, he can also help you get out of it. If I am weak in an area, it does not help me to continue maintaining that weakness. There is vulnerability because of that weakness. I need to make it strong. What do I have to do to make that stronger? What kind of things do I need to do? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. (laughs) In other words, he made it through all this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're afraid, well, if I give that thing up, I won't have this. God's dealing with me about letting that go. But oh, if I do that, then I won't have this. God's dealing with me with, with sowing this or giving this or, or obeying here or going in this direction. But if I do that, I'm afraid that I won't like it or I won't. No. <laughs> no. He knows all weaknesses and He knows how to get you out of it. He knows how to get you over to come, to overcome that weakness. Now, God speaks to us a couple of ways. We've gone over this before. This is not new to you. God speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Spirit. 
and He speaks to us through His ministers. We don't just mean ministers as in pastors, teachers, evangelists, so forth. We mean ministers as in other, other parts of the body. Other people in the body of Christ can come up and speak to us. He speaks to us. His Word will speak to us. His Spirit will say things to us and other people will come and say things to us. So when His Word comes and it speaks, I'm, I'm reading the Word and all of a sudden, oh, will you look at that? Like we were reading Deuteronomy 28 today. Some of you say, oh, would you, would you look at that? Maybe you heard it before, but you forgot it. Oh, will you look at that? I need to focus on that. I need to... Hmm, look, at he, he just spoke to me on that. Oh, I, I can see it. I focus on it. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to stay with this thing. His Word, His Spirit comes up on the inside of us and gives us revelation. His Spirit speaks to us. But you've got to give attendance to it. If you're driving around in the car and you're in a hurry and God in your Spirit speaks revelation to you, you need to make sure that you stop, write it down, do something, take that Word that He gave you and put attention to it. Cutting the lawn, sleeping, 2 a.m. in the morning. You all of a sudden wake up and revelation comes to you. Oh, man, that is good. I'm going to deal with that as soon as I wake up in the morning. No, it'll probably be gone. It's just a simple revelation. I understand that. Nope, tomorrow you won't be able to remember what it is at all. It just works that way. Way too often. Nope. If God... It don't matter. if you, The few minutes of sleep you're going to lose, not a big deal. Write it down. Get it down. No, I'm going to, I don't understand this yet, but I'm going to write this down. I am taking what God is speaking to me and I'm giving attention to it. I am focusing on it. If you were in the military and the sergeant at arms or whoever the, the guy who's, who's the drill sergeant, if he comes into the barracks at 4 a.m. in the morning and says, everybody up, we're on a march. What is the best thing for you at that moment? Getting up and marching. You may think something else. You may think the best thing is a good breakfast. You may think the best thing is a little bit more sleep. But no, the best thing at that moment is get up and march. If you don't understand that, they help you come to that realization. <laughs> they have many ways of helping you come to the realization that when we come in your barracks at 4 a.m. in the morning and say it's time for a march, the best thing for you at that moment is a march. What you have to understand is when God wakes you up, when God stops you and you're driving your car, when you're doing something you really want to do and God distracts you and says, here's a revelation for you, the best thing for you at that moment, is what God is saying, the best thing for you right now is to spend some time on this revelation. Write it down. Get it in there somewhere. Do something with it. But have that revelation. Get that revelation part of you. That is the best thing for you to do right then. That means I'm submitting to Him. I'm not resisting. I'm creating a soft heart by me doing this when I am going through life and God says, make this investment. Take this promotion. Don't take that promotion. Take this job. Don't take that job. Make that move. Don't make that move. I don't sit there and say, well, I wonder if I should really do that. No, I recognize the voice of God. I recognize this is the coach. He's got the best interest. I yield to it. And he is able to guide me into the best place in my life. When he speaks to us, folks, don't harden your heart. Be ready. Be ready. Listen. To what he says. Oh, he's got some good things for you. He's got some good things for you. He's got some help to give you in this. How many of you have ever been in a situation where it seems like you're going through the same difficulty, the same problem, time after time after time after time? Anybody experienced that in their life? It seems like the same situation keeps coming up. The same situation keeps presenting. I'm just not getting past it. This is still in front of me. I'm not getting victory over this. It's still here in front of me. Anybody been in that position? Raise your hand. I want to see how many people have been in that, or in that position now. It just keeps being in front of me. Then make sure you are not missing next week. Because we're going to spend some time and show you why that is going on. Why that is happening and how it is that you can get it to overcome. We'll spend some time. We're not going to get into it real quick. We're going to spend some time with it. We've laid some of the foundation that we need to have for that. We're going to get into that next week. So don't miss out on being here. Make sure that you're here. Keep it a priority. If we make the Word of God a priority, oh, I'll tell you what, He, he changes some things. He works some things. 
listen to his word, listen to his voice, and listen to other people he sends our way to speak to us. Hear what he has to say and apply yourself to it. You will get his attention. When you're in the military, the worst thing in the world was to draw attention to yourself. I mean, all been in the military, you know what I mean by that. You do not want to draw attention to yourself. You want to be invisible. If they don't know you're there, they can't pick on you for stuff, right? <laughs> you, you were there with that, right? Yeah, yes. I don't want you to know. Jim, he knows the same thing. Lou, same thing. Everybody I've ever talked to in the military says, do not draw attention to yourself. Don't be at the front of the pack. Don't be at the back of the pack. Be right in the middle. Blend in. Because <laughs> you don't want them to focus their attention on you. It's different with God. God focuses attention on you. It's a good thing. And we'll see why. why he, what it is that He can do to help us overcome. To help us get through these things. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. We thank You that You have given us of Your Word. You speak to us through Your Word. You speak to us down in our spirit. You speak to us through other people who come along and share things and speak things to help us out. Your intention is for us to grow and develop and become better. You see the areas where we are weak and you know how to fix it. You want us blessed going in and blessed coming out. We serve a God who has so much blessing that He can pour out that He's not concerned that too many people will listen and there won't be enough blessing to go around. He knows there's plenty of blessing. There's plenty of blessing. And Father, we want to have those good things going on, but we want to listen. We want to hear what it is that you have to say. Thank you for the help that you give us. We'll focus on these things. We'll spend some time on this, making sure that your word becomes part of our life. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you go on home today and think on some things, how much attention do you give the word of God that you already know? How much attention do you give to the Word of God that you already know? That's a question you'll have to answer for yourself. But find out. How much attention are you putting into it? And I'll tell you a lot of the reason where you're going.